Welcome back to another episode of Unplugged. Today I have my friend Juan Gutierrez. He's a childhood friend and now he's in Milwaukee doing social work. Welcome to my podcast, Juan. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, look forward to our conversation today. Juan, so yes, so you, we talked briefly. Uh, what, co- what university did you go to? Yeah, so I did, uh, I did my undergrad at University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Um, and then I actually did a master's program, a two-year master's program down at uh, Illinois State University in uh, Bloomington Normal, uh, Illinois. So, yeah, and now uh, you're doing, uh, it was for history, right? You said? It was. So my bachelor's degree was in, um, it was, it was, it was a general broad history degree, right? And uh, my emphasis though was in Latin America. And so uh, when I went to ISU to get my master's, I specifically dedicated my studies uh, to Latin America and I had to choose a time frame. So I ended up choosing uh, post-World War II uh, Latin American history. And, you know, it, it, it was intense. I mean, there's so much that happened, obviously, after World War II ended. And, um, Latin you know, America? Latin, like what countries? So my studies were primarily focused on uh, the Spanish-speaking countries, right? So Mexico uh, did some studies with uh, Nicaragua, uh, Argentina, uh, Chile. Uh, I did I did touch on Brazil just a little bit, but you know, really the the Spanish-speaking countries, and you know, just to clarify, right? You know, Latin America, um, you know, it's it's a it's a very vast uh, you know geographical area, right? It's everything basically south of of. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of of the United States, right? <laughs> um, the interesting part, though, is that not every single country that's south of the U.S. speaks Spanish or Portuguese or you know uh, French, right? You know they're not mm-hmm. considered Latin America because they don't speak those languages. But um, yeah, primarily the Spanish-speaking countries was what I focused on. All right, and post World War II, I you know what I like to hear about is uh when the spaniards got to latin america mm-hmm. and did the conquistador uh, conquest mm-hmm. and um did you study any of that you know it's interesting because mm-hmm. so what what ended up happening was when so when i got to when i got to isu um i was fortunate enough to um have been offered a i was offered a graduate assistantship right which is basically uh uh, an assistant to the professor, the main professor of of said course or, you know, class or whatever it is that they were doing. Um, so I directly did not study, um, you know, that, that particular time period in Latin American history, but I helped in the teaching of it, right? So, um, you know, I would sit in on every lecture that the professor was giving on that topic. So I, it's like, I almost... I, it was basically like I took two, like two whole semesters on just <laughs> that time period. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's so fascinating how that happened, right? Where you have, you know, the, the, the Spaniards coming over and basically just taking all this land that belonged to indigenous Indians, right, down in, in Latin America. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you have Brazil as your outlier because they, they, they don't speak Spanish, right? They, they speak Portuguese. So you had Portugal coming into Brazil, um, as was the case over in, in um, 
Oh my god, I'm 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 blinking on the the other one. I I think there's another one in the Uruguay. Was it Uruguay? Like no, they 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 speak Spanish. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of Haiti, but Haiti they speak French, so disregard that. It was just really Portuguese, um, Portugal and, and Brazil. But <laughs> those are the outliers from Spain, yeah. But they're still European, and you know the white man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and some countries more than others, right? Because you know, if if you notice, um, mm-hmm. if you travel into South America, right, uh, with the exception of Brazil and uh, you know, Bolivia, but, you know, for example, like in Chile, right, you know, you, you have a lot of, of, they're Latinos still, right, they're still Latinos, mm-hmm. but their complexion, their skill, their skin complexion is a little bit whiter, um, as is the case in Argentina, yeah. uh, because they had a little bit more of that, lo- the, the European influence was a little bit more dominant, mm-hmm. um, and in the case of Argentina, um, it was really the uh, the German influence that stuck around for a little bit too, uh, and then obviously that's how you get some of the uh, those crazy conspiracy theories about like Hitler and how he didn't like commit suicide and he just ran off to Argentina in forty five mm-hmm. and all this mm-hmm. and that. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a very um, it's a very vast array of uh, you know skin color and and uh, you know different historical backgrounds that have influenced how each of the Latin American countries have kind of developed themselves into what they are today. Yeah, about that. So you did post-World War II and a lot of like the Nazi like officers, that's where they went, right? Didn't they make a colony in Argentina? They, yeah, they, they, a lot of them did go to Argentina. Um, or some, yeah, no Latin America. Yeah, they, a lot of them went to Argentina. They're, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think in Brazil, and this is this is obviously this is a little bit not directly correlated to to you know the, the Germans, but you know there. I think in in Brazil there's a colony of like white supremacists, if I'm not mistaken, from like the U.S. or something. It, it's like a weird. It's a whole weird little thing. But mm-hmm. for some reason, yeah, like you know those, those kinds of individuals, they always seem to run down to Latin America to do all that and. You know, I laugh, but you know, I'm, mm-hmm. it's really not funny. But you know, it, it's just it's it's just very mind-boggling yeah. to me, right? That that's that's kind of what they did. But yeah. you know, who knows? It's it's such a weird weird thing. So yeah, like history. What do you think? Like, I mean, the point is to be like as factual and unbiased, I guess, when you're mm-hmm. doing your research. But a lot of it is written by the people who, I guess, won the war or did the conquering, or or is there like authentic history i guess from geo like geographical uh arc arc like archives and yeah archives and uh you know like the pyramids i guess maybe like you know that's not that hard to mm-hmm. but um you could people could study that yeah so you know this is a this is a really interesting it's a really interesting notion right because you know one of the things that we're taught in um, in grad school. Well, I mean, we, we get it in undergrad as well, but, you know, as, as historians, right, we need to know, or we, we need to be able to pick up on some of those biases, biases, and uh, pick up on where a source originates from, because you're always going to have implicit bias, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And, you know, it's, it's funny, because one of the things that, or one of the quotes that you hear a lot about is, 
you know, history always tends to repeat itself. Yeah. You know, th this, this exact conversation about, you know, reliable sources and, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, reading material is being brought in from, you know, you can relate so much of that conversation, uh, you know, pull it from history and apply it to, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we're seeing today and, you know, today's political world and, you know, you have the, uh, the, the, the onset of the quote unquote, like, you know, the fake news and all this and that. So, you know, yeah. one of the things, right. So it's just funny how it comes full circle. And, you know, one of the things that we need to acknowledge is that, you know, the, 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 the scholars who write a lot of the books and a lot of the articles, uh, you know, in our field of history, obviously they have many, many years of, of, of research and study under their belts like that's just that's that's a fact yeah. um but you know going back to your original question about you know the the narrative that you're getting right though it comes down to you know it comes down to analyzing primary sources and the primary sources of course that originate from that area specifically that you're studying because then you're able to get an actual, uh, you know, point of view uh, perspective, right? With whatever it is that you're, you know, you're reading, you're looking at um, without having that bias in there or that um, narrative from the other conquering side, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you just have to do your due diligence. And I think that, goes with anything that mm -hmm. you know you, you look at or read uh, especially you know nowadays with, with all the stuff that's happening yeah yeah well like it's like right now with covid and stuff like the news would say you know i guess maybe people looking back 100 years from now are gonna look back on covid and be like whoa uh all these people died of covid and it was like horrible and there was the people that didn't want to get vaccinated. And uh, I mean, the news makes it look kind of worse than it really was. Or do you get that feeling? Like, um, yeah, like the news would have you thinking that, you know, it was chaos out here. But, you know, I had COVID oh. in reality and it was just like a cold. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it depends on, I think it depends on what, you know, when we're looking at it, right? So, you know, obviously, we we look back and and we look back at March of 2020 and you know the the two year anniversary of kind of everything just shutting down. Um, you know, was around was basically around this time in in 2020, right? You have a lot of state governments and and city governments, you know, just saying, you know what, the two week two weeks to flatten the curve. Um, we have everything's going to get shut down. Non-essential businesses can no longer operate. You know, uh, obviously unemployment by this point was uh, starting to skyrocket. And, you know, th th this was kind of the time two years ago when everything was just changing, like to a point that none of us had ever seen before in our generation. I think, you know, I, the, me the media in this country, right, you know, the, the whole purpose of the media in a lot of cases is to get you know, it's to obviously set up a story in a way that is full of fanfare and, um, you know, techniques, right, to, to bring in, uh, to, to catch the attention of, of the audience who's watching. And, 
you know, I, I don't want to downplay COVID. I don't like, I don't want to be like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. You know, I, I know people who unfortunately, you know, had it, um, had it very badly. I, I know a few who, you know, so, uh, essentially, you know, died from it. Right. So I think obviously a lot of it depends on how well you are doing as a person, you know, uh, health wise. Um, I know myself, you know, I, I'm high risk for it. And I luckily um, haven't had it to the point where it's like, you know, like I'm, I'm on my deathbed, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. And by that, I mean, I've had my three shots now. Um, but it, I don't know, you know, it, it's, it's very hard to tell. I think, I think at first, when the news first started reporting on COVID, it wasn't as, it, it wasn't over dramatized. It wasn't over hyped because I think it was a legitimate concern, but maybe as uh, obviously now that we're into 2022, you know, we're really not hearing much about it, but that's also due to the fact that we are, you know, starting to bring hospital cases, you know, hospital uh, hospitalizations are coming down and, you know, more accessibility to the vaccine. And so I guess it, it's, it's, it's a touchy topic, but, you know, it kind of depends on how you look at it um, from your point of view. Yes, and um, so who who's your hero from that from that time that you studied, <laughs> or you know, oh, again individuals that, um, in your opinion, changed history? Oh man, that's a good question. A lot of the a lot of the heroes, I think, from from that time period, it, it certainly wasn't the United States or the CIA, um, or any of the extreme right-wing authoritarian uh, political leaders who were instilled or installed literally by the U.S. Um, I, I actually would say that a lot of the, um, a lot of the success or a lot of the heroes in, in a lot of these countries were, you know, were, were left-wing, you know, were more of the, the left-wing politicians, right? Um, you know, Salvador Allende of Chile, who took office in 1970 and um, proclaimed, you know, was very anti-U.S. Uh, imperialism. Um, he was anti-imperialist, anti-globalist, um, you know, didn't want the U.S. meddling in, in, in Chile's domestic affairs and all this and that. And, mm -hmm. you know, the United States basically, you know, got... got <laughs> They were told that, you know, he was speaking bad about the U.S. and wanted to install a kind of a more left-wing um, uh, regime, regime in, in Chile. And the U.S. gave him hell, mm -hmm. right? They literally, like, they imposed, um, like, blockades. And there was a lot of, like, uh, stuff that the U.S. did so that he could look bad in the, the Chilean's eyes, right? Oh, he's not a good leader. He's a bad leader. Well, that didn't work because he just kept saying, you know, oh, he was defending himself and he was adamant about it. And, you know, in, in 1973, you have the U.S. military or the U.S. basically helped um, the Chilean uh, military overthrow him. And he was killed because of the U.S., his intervention. Right. And in his place, they put in a military dictator who was literally in office from like 73 to like 1990 and he killed thousands of people. I mean, this guy was brutal and mm -hmm. the U S backed them 100%, mm -hmm. right. And 
this isn't the only place it happened. It happened in Argentina in 73 as well. Uh, it happened in Guatemala, I believe it was, in, in uh, 1954. Uh, you know, Mexico. I mean, this is, it was just, it was ridiculous. Is so, it because the U.S. Like, didn't want communism to take over? The U.S. didn't want yeah. Soviet communism. So, here, so the, right. the, here's the thing. Obviously, this is Cold War, and the U.S. is scared of anything even beginning to touch the spectrum of the left wing, right? Yeah. Of, of, oh, God, they say something that's le- like a leftist policy, communism. That, that's, mm-hmm. how, that's how that was labeled, right? right? But we need to understand something, and that is that the, socialist, the socialism in Latin America that Latin American leaders wanted to implement or like their version of it, was completely different than the communism and socialist ideologies that were coming out of Europe. All right. These are very, two How very, so? the main, the main point is this. So la- Latinos are very religious, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So one of the, one of the things with communism is that, Commun- uh, true communists be- don't believe in an organized religion, right? They don't think that religion has a place in the structure of society for the most part. Latin America is historically Catholic, right? So what you're getting, you would number one, you would get resistance from people if you were to tell them, oh, you can't go to church anymore. You can't practice your faith because we're switching to communism and we're going to we're going to adopt everything from Europe and bring it on over here that that just wouldn't work because society isn't just going to pick up their stuff and say oh let me just take my cross my Jesus cross off my wall and go burn it in the back pit right like that's just not going to happen so that's one of the ways that this form of of socialist of socialism or or, or communism as as the US called it it was a hybrid version of it it wasn't going to be to anywhere near the same extent that the U S thought it was already happened. It was already installed in in Eastern Europe with uh, the Soviet blockade and all that out there. And this is honestly part of the reason also why um, it didn't work with Afghanistan, because if you look in the middle East, right, they're not practicing Catholic Catholicism. They're they're practicing Islam. So, Mm -hmm. When the Soviet Union tried to invade Afghanistan in 1979, you know, they were in there. They brought their military tanks. They brought all this and that. Afghani people, they were like, I mean, that's great and all, but we're, we're Muslim. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to give up our, our, our Islamic faith to be communists. Like, come on now. So those were just, you know, those were just some of the, again, the, the, US, got, the U.S. had it wrong in, in Latin America on that end. And the Soviets had it wrong in, in Afghanistan with that too. Um, plus, you know, there's, there's, there's some other stuff also that goes into that, of course, right? You know, it's, but I don't think that Latin America was ever going to get to that communist point to the extent of Russia or that the Soviet Union was with the exception of Cuba. Um, because Cuba was a Cuba was very different. Um, they obviously, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis and um, you know the Soviet Union, like actually having like physical like weapons stationed in Cuba, nuclear weapons ready to hit the U.S. Like that. So Cuba is the exception to that uh, to that part. But 
everything else from you know Mexico down to South America. I mean, that just wasn't gonna, that really wasn't gonna happen. But the U.S. was paranoid. You know, that's what it yeah. comes down to. Well, yeah, I like the. I mean, I like that we could talk about like left wing, uh, you know, ideology and right wing ideology, and then like in this country at least, and then like meet somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, you don't you don't get a lot of that anymore. You don't get a lot of that dialogue being in the middle. Yeah, being in the middle, you know, it's 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 <laughs> fascinating because, no. you know, it's. <sighs> It's a very, you know, politics are, politics are very dirty, right? You know, po- talking politics is, used to be, it used to be. People are invested in it. Yes. There, like, it this is who be, I am. This is right, my identity. Right, right. You know, it used to be very civil. Um, you know, back before, even like, I remember, because I was, you know, I started college in 2013, right? Yeah. In the fall of 2013. So this is, you know, this is way before, you know, Trump and, and all that. I mean, we, you know, we had just started Obama's second term. And, you know, when I, when I was a freshman in college, right, we didn't, I, I personally really didn't engage in political talk just because I was a dumb 18-year-old kid. <laughs> you know, I, I just wasn't worrying about that. But as I got, as I moved my way through college and then ended up by, by about my sophomore year, I was a little more invested and I, I, I remember, you know, like I used to be able to have conversations with people about stuff all the time. And it would be, you know, it'd just be, you know, we, yeah, we'd have a disagreement, but it wouldn't be anything to the point like, oh, like, you know, like we have to throw fists or something about the conversation we just had. Yeah. That, the, the entire political landscape just took such a drastic change after, you know, Donald Trump announced his presidency in, in June of 2015. Like yeah. everything after that was it's just a whole nother world because, you know, now you have more awareness of what political discussion, basic political discussion can do to people. Um, yeah. And, so, and yeah, how, I went to, you know, I was in the military instead of going mm-hmm. to college. Yeah. And, and it's funny because in the, in the military, it's like a lot of right wing type people. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, I, I grew up half in Chicago, half in Wisconsin. So I'm pretty open-minded because I just witnessed two cultures as growing mm-hmm. up. Um, and then, you know, I hear that in, in college, uh, a lot a lot of, you know, I did one year of college and, you know, they do here in Chicago, uh, like the, the one of the local community college, well, the city yeah. colleges. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I did. I did get like a lot of the woke kind of thing, um, <laughs> but yeah, universities the, will do uh-huh. that. Universities and college campuses will, you know, obviously they tend to lean a little, they tend a little to lean a little more left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think everybody like starting off young. Like I think you know, left progressive policies are kind of like the nice thing, like the social thing. Like everybody's equal equal pay, um, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I guess in the, like in the marketplace, in the economy, that's not really true because p- different people have different skills and you're going to get paid for what you know how to do. And I know there's like, it's not perfect. It's not like not government isn't perfect. Um, capitalism is, isn't perfect or communism. And, uh, but at least, you know, I think, 
we could have what's happening in like Venezuela with like revolution or we could just have like greedy people and it's like choosing your poison mm-hmm. but uh you know yeah. yeah i i think at the end of the day i think it's just a matter of you know i think you know people just have to be nice to each other i mean that's that's what it comes down to right i mean yeah you're you're never going to you're never really going to see eye to eye with anyone um on everything yeah and you know at the end of the day i mean you you have to you have to choose your battles right you know what what are you willing to what what are you as a person willing to fight for yeah and what are you willing to dedicate your effort and time to um and it's just a matter of 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 selection right you know you can't you're not going to be able to please everyone um you know this applies to anything right you you, you can't please any everyone um you're always going to have people out there who are just not going to, um, you know, agree with any of your points or uh, want to have those civil conversations. And you just have to know when to stop and when to say, yeah, I, you know what, I can't do this, but we're not going to get anywhere oh, with yeah. this conversation. Just got to move on. So, um, yeah, that's still something I'm, I'm, I'm working on myself. Uh, it's just being able to, you know, pick and choose what I really want to commit myself to and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, putting everything else to the side just because it's not worth it. You know, it really, it really honestly isn't. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, how did, you know, we're both kind of similar background, man. We lived in a small town growing up, both Mexican Americans, Mm -hmm. first generation, right. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, you, we took like two different turns. I went to the military, you went to college, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, now we could come, come together and, you know, kind of hash it out be like okay this is what i learned this is what you learned um along the way mm-hmm. and uh yeah man now you're uh you know you got what do you what, what's your show about it's about sports yeah so we have our podcast um against it's called against the standard and we do it's actually uh it's it's split so we do half and half mm-hmm. um you know 50 or 30 minutes of uh, you know sports talk and then 30 minutes of you know, of, of news talk in the beginning. Um, and, you know, we've, we've always, we've always formatted it that way because mm-hmm. we wanted the, the goal with it was to get a wider range of, of audience. Right. So, you know, if, if let's say you can't, you know, let's say you don't have any interest in, in the news talk, well, you can still listen to the sports talk uh, in the second half or, or vice versa. So, yeah um you know that's that's why we structured it that way but yeah so uh do you think you know i heard that uh no work the packers they just signed aaron Rodgers. um <laughs> are you you're a bears fan right chicago fan i am yes i up chicago white Sox, bears uh, bulls um <laughs> yes <laughs> aaron Rodgers. um you know he he's quite the he's quite the public figure um he is a very unique individual uh obviously he's you know aaron Rodgers MVP? is is, is <laughs> mvp of the league he's yes he's also the mvp of the league um you know he he's very talented at what he does um i i wish he would have chosen retirement or gone to play somewhere else but here we are now with a new deal and 
I keep yawning. See, this topic makes me tired because I don't like to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you um, feel about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that this is my. He's not exciting. My, exactly. This he's is my. Weird. This is my Kermit the Frog. You think you know, his best days are done? Well, you know he he's entering he's entering his early forties, right? You know he's what thirty seven, thirty eight, I think. Yeah. Um, you know he's he's getting up there, and I don't know, right? Because you have you have elite quarterbacks. Uh, I believe it was. I think Drew Brees was like forty-one uh, when he when he retired, and then obviously you have you know your Tom Brady's who are like you know up in their forties already. So you know the the league is very different than what it was. You know, let's just say twenty years ago. You know the the, the safety precautions that are in place now to protect the quarterbacks. Um, you know you. A lot of times, right, you know, as as a fan, we complain about some of those roughing the passer calls, right? Because it's like, oh, well, he didn't even touch him. He didn't do anything, but he's getting a flag. So the game of football has, has drastically changed. And a lot yep. of a lot of players, right, including, you know, Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mannings, uh, you know, they, they were able to play for so long, for years. And... Yeah. You know, I, I find it it's very difficult for me to to think that a player in the nineties, you know, would have said, Yeah, I'm gonna play one day till I'm in my forties, especially a quarterback. I mean, you know, how many hits that they you know do they take uh, mm-hmm. in their playing career? But who knows, right? Who knows what Aaron Rodgers, you know, how long he chooses to go, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. Tom Brady's gonna come back? Um, he's done, or he's done for good. Nah, he's done. I think he's done. He, you know, Tom Brady. He did. He did what he had to do. He did. I think. He, I think he's yeah. an accomplished. Um, I think he feels accomplished. You know, I think that he did what he wanted to do. Yeah, there's no more. You know, what, what, and, what's there to prove? Exactly. Like he's honestly. one. He's one. I mean, he basically wears a ring on every finger now. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. You know, he he has his MVPs. He has his Super Bowl rings. You know, he he has his legacy both in, uh, in in New England and now also in Tampa Bay. Um, there's nothing else for him to prove. He he's yeah. he's he's done everything he I felt I feel like he wanted to do, and now he's out. You know, enjoying life and getting blackout drunk, like he did after the their Super Bowl win <laughs> last yeah, year. Fucking... Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm impressed with the the Bengals quarterback Burrow, and you know how that he's like the second year in the in the league, right? Yeah. So Joe Burrow had an excellent season uh, this past year. He, you know, being able to come back from his injury and you know take take a team, right? You know, this is the Bengals for God's sakes. Like, who would have thought that the Cincinnati Bengals? We're going to go to the Super Bowl. Now, mind you, right, they didn't win. But Joe Burrow is one of the most talented athletes in our era. I have no doubt that the Bengals will be back in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, in the near future. And what ended up happening in the Super Bowl, right, was, you know, you have Matthew Stafford, who spent so many years with the Detroit Lions, goes out to LA with the Rams and he's able to, he's able to finally win his chip, right? He gets the, he gets his championship ring 
So does Odell Beckham Jr., right? So does Aaron Donald. Cooper Cup, who had an amazing year as mm-hmm. wide receiver over there. Uh, you know, you have um oh my god, who's the other who's the other player I'm thinking of right now? Uh Von Miller, right? He won another one. He wrote, he won one in Denver in twenty fifteen and he just won another one in twenty twenty two. So, you know, it, it was it was a very dynamic Super Bowl and I you know I know we we discussed this on our show a few weeks ago but you know just the uh, the halftime performance mm-hmm. uh you know Snoop Dogg and uh, Eminem and all of them you know it's just it was it was honestly probably one of the best performances that I've ever seen um, right you can't talk that I mean next year I mean, they better go out all out <laughs> who are they going to invite next year Exactly. Like you, you really can't top that. I mean, it's, it was just, that's my childhood, right? You know, yeah, it, man. It, thinking about or remembering, you know, early, you know, obviously I know they're, they're a little bit older than, than, than I am, but you know, early two thousands, you know, listening to some other songs on like the radio and, and whatnot, it just, it, it brought back a lot of memories and, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Super Bowl this year. The parade that happened was sad, needless to say, with the Rams. Um, oh yeah, out in LA, it was it was a pretty sad parade. But um, the actual game itself, I thought, was really really well done. Yeah, they had like a bunch of celebrities in the stadium. That's LA. Like, it's. Uh, I mean, if you don't. Like it's is is there, are you really in LA if you don't have celebrities a whole bunch of celebrities out there I mean come on <laughs> yeah that's their, that's their stomping ground that's where they live exactly yep <laughs> but yeah it was it was a fun season I, I look forward to to what will happen here in twenty twenty two twenty three all right so as um as a social worker now changing changing the subject a little bit mm-hmm. totally um. You know, is is there like a, a like a a steady flow, or is it getting you know with COVID? Did that like did a lot? Do you have more like people to see? How did that go? So, <clears throat> how long have you been a social worker, by the way? Yeah, so I've been I've been doing this now since June of 2020. So like literally in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I started working where I work now um, from home. Mm-hmm. You know, I basically had to teach myself a lot of the stuff that was that, you know, the modules that we have to do in order to get licensure here in the state or to be certified in, in certain things. Um, you know, there's like a whole like course that we had to take. And, you know, normally those are all done, you know, in our office, right? with the guidance and support of our supervisors and all this and that and you know i i didn't i didn't have that (laughs) so i had to basically like you know teach myself how to how to do all that and then a lot all of our trainings were virtual and they still are for the most part you know it was a very it was a very difficult time Mm -hmm. um but no yeah i started in june of 2020 um got my first case soon after it was very soon um, you know and i started off with a small caseload you know just because i had so many trainings i had to do as well mm. uh, but 
now, you know, I'm fortunate that I have a decent sized caseload. And the way that it works in the program is that, you know, you usually have to do like an intake. Um, there's like a screening that gets done so that to see if a family qualifies for the program. Um, mm -hmm. And those have been steady. I know there was like an influx you know, in 2021, like right after like the worst of the pandemic kind of subsided. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's kind of leveled off, at least in our office, uh, for new cases, right, that are coming in or new families who are seeking services uh, through Milwaukee, uh, the city of Milwaukee. But, you know, it is, it, it is such a, it is such a privilege. And, um, it is this position that I, that I have, the, the work that I do, I, you know, it's, it's humbling and I okay. have gotten the opportunity to uh, talk to so many families um, here, you know, here in Milwaukee. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of those families are living in some of the poorest zip codes, um, not just in the state of Wisconsin, but uh, in, in, in the nation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that a lot of people don't really know about Milwaukee is that um, Milwaukee is either the most or one of the most, uh, you know, segregated cities in the entire country. Yeah. Like a literal street block divides you up amongst your other fellow residents in that neighborhood. Um, you know, you, 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 you cross the street block or something and like the landscape of like houses, um, you know, city streets, um, sidewalks and all that. It's just, it's, it's so vastly different, right? You know, um, Milwaukee, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult city. You know, it, it, it gets overshadowed by a lot of the fun things you can do here in the city, right? You know, we're known for breweries and beer and, you know, cheese and all this and that and downtown. But when you, when you take a look into the, the inner city of Milwaukee and you, you really, really do see the despair in so many of these communities mm -hmm. and the lack of resources that are available to a lot of African-American families uh, for the most part, it, it truly is a sad, a sad thing, but, um, yeah, I, I try to do what I can to make sure that um, these families are, you know, getting the support that they, they, they need in order to survive. Oh, yeah, man. I thank you very much, you know, for what you're doing. That's, mm -hmm. that's a really, you know, tough career and very needed, man, very, very needed. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, be, having lived in Wisconsin and then having lived in Chicago and Illinois, I just notice, I don't know, maybe you notice it probably better than I do. Um, I just see the social workers here, like just being overwhelmed. Um, but I'm sure they're, they're overwhelmed all over. Um, yeah. Chicago's also a bigger city. I mean, I think uh, take, you know, taking that into account as well, right. You know, Chicago is a, a lot bigger, um, you know, just, I, I, the, in the, the city landscape over there, you know, it's a, it's just geographically, you know, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know how it's done in Chicago. I don't know what procedures or standards they need to follow. 
but I know like, for example, here in Milwaukee County, right, you know, one of the requirements per our DHHS, uh, I think it's Department of Health and Human Services for the state is that, you know, like we have to see our families, um, you know, in person, like at least once a month, make, you know, make our visits, uh, spend an hour with, you know, so there's, there's a whole bunch of little, like, mm-hmm. little requisites that we have to meet. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's like that in Chicago, but, you know, just imagining like, you know, like if we have to travel from one side of the city to the other, it normally won't take us that long. Yeah. Um, whereas in Chicago, I can only imagine that would probably take at least an hour uh, just to hop across the city with, you know, the ridiculous amounts of traffic that are in, in, the, in the windy city and whatnot. So, you know, always having to run late and always doing this and that. So, I mean, it's just, it's an added, it's an added stress factor. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things like, you know, what, what can you do? Right. So. Brother. We'll keep keep on doing your your service to to the city of Milwaukee, man. Um, Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, and um, all right, man. So you know, we pretty much covered everything. So where can people find you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm I, I'm on Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, <laughs> don't laugh. It's at bears fanatico 94 because i'm a huge bears fan of course uh you can follow our podcast our podcast page also on twitter at at standard um we also have our youtube page against standard uh also thumbs up on facebook as well um you know it was it was nice to talk with you again you know i it's been like 20 years i think since we we've kind of last you know yeah, well, conversations I, I don't remember like yeah you, it was it was a it was a very long time ago and it's you're like a nice. great older yeah you're like mm-hmm. a, a year older yeah it's always nice to to be able to have those conversations again uh, just kind of you know looking back and and, and whatnot talk about what's happening in the world now but um yeah thank you for for having me on and you know wish you all the luck with your uh with your podcast here thanks brother you're now part of it and i'm, I'm sure it's gonna go <laughs> far it's gonna go viral yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks.